Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you to our online campus this morning from wherever you are. Some of you are here in our local community within five to eight miles, and some of you literally are watching all over the world. We've heard, heard from a lot of people tuning in this morning. Thank you for being a part. It means the world that you took a little slice of time to join us this morning. What a week it's been, huh? Crazy. I've I, uh, been doing this for a while, never seen anything like it. Caught, truly, caught me totally off guard. But you know what I'm thankful for? It didn't catch the Lord off guard. And though it surprised me and, and we had to make some pretty, pretty key changes pretty quickly, uh, along with a lot of other churches in our community, it didn't surprise the Lord. Well, today we want to join with churches all over America today. Our president has asked for us to make today a day of prayer. And we wanted to take a segment in our service this morning and do just that. So some of you are watching as a family. What a great time to pray together as a family. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to pray with the people that you're watching with this morning. Some of you may be on the road traveling and you're like, ah, it just feels weird. I, I want you to remember what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be also. Today, you're going to feel that in your home, that he is present with you. And we want to partner, we want to join with other churches and say, God, we can't, but you can. So would y'all join me in a word of prayer, and I'm going to walk us through this time. Father, we cry out to you today. We don't know who else to cry to. We don't know else, who else has answers but you. So, Father, we turn our, our, our mind and our hearts your direction today and as a body, as a family, corporate family, not just North Star, but the Little C Church all over this country, we cry out to you today. Right where you are today, I want you to walk through this prayer time with me, would you? First, would you pray that God would bring an end to this pandemic and he would save lives and give solutions? Would you pray that today? Second, would you pray for our country and countries that are affected all over the world? Would you pray for our leadership, our president, those in power, our governor of our state, leaders in our community, that they would have wisdom during these uncertain times? Would you pray that? Third, would you pray for our medical professionals, those doctors, those nurses that are in the hospitals right now treating not only the patients affected with COVID-19, this coronavirus, would you pray for those that are, that are still dealing with surgeries and all the other things going on? 
that God would protect them and give them courage and strength. Would you pray for our missionaries all over the world? We are so blessed here to have all the technology and tools and and doctors and nurses we need, but some of them are in places taking the gospel. Would you pray God's protection over them as they are light in darkness for people? Would you? Finally, would you join me in praying for the churches that you drive by every day that are joining with us this morning in their online platforms. Would you pray that God would use them to provide hope and healing? Would you pray that God would bring people home that wouldn't have found their way home to him through them today? Would you pray for other churches right now? Some you may call by name, other pastors you may call by name. Would you pray for them? That God would use this as a time of unity for his kingdom. God, today we turn, we turn towards you and we offer these things. We place them at your feet. We place them in your hands. And God, we trust all of these prayers that we not just prayed, we didn't just pray just now, but we will continue to pray throughout the week. We trust them with you. So God, thanks for hearing us. And God, we pray for answers. And we pray it in the bold name of Jesus today. Amen. Thank you for joining with me. And I pray that you'll continue to pray throughout the week. Well, I want to catch you up on where we've been the past few weeks. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and take them. If you got them out this morning, maybe you've got them online. If you do not have our app, it is a great tool to use right now. Uh, if you go to the app store, North Star Church, Georgia, you can download the app. And I'll give you a couple minutes before I dive in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 27 today. Matthew chapter 27, we'll start reading down at verse 45. We'll read two verses today together uh, in this series, The Last Hours. It's been a great series that we've been in as we looked at the final hours of Christ's life and seven statements that he made from the cross. So you gotta think, he hung there that Friday for six hours, and in six hours, seven statements are recorded. The first three that we've covered the prior three weeks were for others, really interesting. The first three things that Jesus said, you got to think he's gone through mock trials, stuff that should have never, six trials that should have never happened. He's been beaten beyond despair. And I mean, he is, he is, uh, it's the most punishing thing a person could go through during that time. And now he's hanging on the cross and his first three things are for others. Remember the very first week he asked, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, the last thing you and I would want to do in that time is forgive someone, but he did, right? It was a powerful statement that he made that Casey talked with us about three weeks ago. And then the next statement that he made was to the thieves. Remember, he had a thief on his left and a, a thief on his right. 
And you remember that as Jesus talked to those thieves and he began to in, in, uh, engage them in this conversation, one of the thieves said, you know, if you are really who you say you are, why don't you get off the cross and save yourself and save us? And the other one said, who are you to talk to him? You know this guy's done nothing wrong. And remember, the statement was made, it was really interesting. He said, today, when you enter your kingdom, would you remember me? And you remember Jesus' statement to that thief was, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And man, this, this huge conversation happens while they're hanging there on the cross the next words that he uttered were to John to take care of his mom. You remember? Said, Mom, this is your son, John. And, and there at the end, he wanted to make sure that those he loved were taken care of. And then the day turned. Those six hours were unforgettable for a lot of reasons to the people that watched that day. But one of the reasons it was unforgettable because of what it ushered in that day over all the land, darkness began to cover. Now, we don't know if it was an eclipse. We don't know if it was covering of, of cloud. We don't have any idea. All we know is it's noted in Scripture that darkness for those last few hours covered the land. I, I remember it was Shackleton in his great expedition of 1914 when they were going to try to take his crew and walk across the South Pole. They, were, they, hit, they hit ice. They were scattered. And as they began to walk, it was the, the polar darkness they encountered from May until midsummer where it's dark all day, and they said, out of the famine and hunger they experienced, out of the loneliness and discouragement they experienced, and the trials and tribulations they experienced, he noted the worst part was the darkness, because darkness separates us, and it's, it's crazy to associate darkness with light, right? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. The night of his birth was announced with light, a star in the sky. The angels that spoke to the shepherds lit up the sky. But on this day, on these hours, darkness was there. Matthew chapter 27, let's walk through the story as you read along with me this morning, whether you're reading on the bottom of the screen or I hope you've got a physical Bible out or your app out, I want you to read with me Matthew chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. For three hours, pitch darkness. Nobody had ever seen anything like it. See, that darkness was more than a physical darkness. It was a spiritual darkness. There was something spiritually that was happening that day that Matthew captures for us. See, darkness literally meant obscurity. It literally meant that in this time, all disappeared and all was taken away. And about the ninth hour, Jesus finally cried out. You know, we've, we've read those words. Maybe you've read them since childhood. Maybe you've read them while you were growing up. When Jesus cried out, and you're like, wow, I bet he was really sort of the end of himself, and he could barely utter anything because of the pain and the, the, the stuff he had been through. But it literally means Jesus screamed 
out. The pressure of the moment now has come down, and these aren't conversations anymore. This conversation is not between he and another thief on his right and a thief on his left. This conversation is between he and God, and he screamed in the darkness. And you know it caused all those around the base of the cross to shudder when they heard his voice. And he cried out these words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? It's interesting that every other time we hear Jesus talking about his father, he he talks about intimacy. My father, my father and I are one. But in this moment, intimacy's broken, right? When Jesus cries out the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was saying that my intimacy with my father is now broken and he has turned his back on me. Why in the world would God have to turn his back on his son? And you may be watching right now from wherever you are and you're going, I don't want to know a God that would turn his back on his own son right then. I wouldn't turn my back on my kids. Why in the world would God do that to his son? Because on that cross that day, a massive experience was happening. Something you in that moment struggled to understand and something that Jesus knew but felt. Because when intimacy is broken, you feel it. And that's why he yelled, my God, my God, why are you not here with me? Because he could feel that distance that was created. Why did that happen? I hope today, at the end of our time together, you'll understand what happened and the significance it has for you. So if you got a pen or pencil, thumbs to type with, I want you to write down a couple thoughts this morning. Number one, he yelled that because of separation. The father is turning his eyes from Jesus. That's one of the most incredible passages in all of Scripture that the father would turn his eyes from Christ. Why would he do that? Why would a good, loving God who was in perfect union in the Trinity with his son, why would he have to turn himself from his son? From the sixth hour until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, he felt it Why did he do it? Oh, there's a little glimpse over in the book of Habakkuk. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Isaiah talked to the wayward Israelites and said, your evil separated you from God and your sins have caused him to turn away from you so he does not hear you. I want you to write this little thought down. God can't fellowship with sin. And in that moment, he became sin. In that instance, on that cross, he became sin. The one who knew no sin became sin. 
Whose sin? Mine and yours. On that cross that day, he took on all my junk, all my stuff, all my lies, my untruths, my deceit, my lust. That day on the cross, he took it all. Listen, that's why people say that it could have been just for my sin that he died because that day my sin and your sin caused God to have to look away. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy to think that it was our sin that caused it? I don't have anybody to blame. Oh, I got me because I know my stuff. I know my shortcomings and my failures. We know that we're born with an inheritance. Parents, we don't teach kids to do bad. We teach them to do good. Why? Because we're born with a propensity to do bad. And that day, in that moment, on the cross, Jesus felt the weight of Mike Lynch's sin, and he felt the weight of your sin on the cross that day. See, that day... uh, Another word was happening, substitution. Jesus, number two, was taking your place. Isn't that powerful? He was taking your place. He felt separation because of substitution. He was taking my place. You know, we think about, you know, in the story it says that that there should have been another thief there in the middle named Barabbas who deserved to be punished for his sins. But Scripture says that Christ was offered up in Barabbas' place. That was his cross. It was Barabbas' cross. But really it wasn't Barabbas' cross. Get this, get this. It was your cross, my cross. He became our substitution. See, somebody had to pay for it. And so Jesus substituted himself sinless. And in that moment, he became sin because substitution, that's why God had to be separated. That's why God couldn't look on him because he had my sin on him and he had your sin on him. He had the weight of the world on him, the weight of all the sin of humanity. He was dying for in that moment and you couldn't escape it because he took our place. Look at what 2 Corinthians, look at what Paul said. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I wonder when Paul wrote that to the early church at Corinth, if he thought about his sin, if he thought about his shortcomings, his persecution, his lawlessness. But it was for our sake Now, this is powerful. He made him who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. I want you to get the power of the moment now to, and I want you to circle this little phrase, to be sin. In that moment on the cross, he became sin. He was perfect, sinless. But on the cross, he's the worst sinner who ever lived not because of what he had done, but because of what he was doing for us. He was our substitution. 
Living Bible says it this way, that same verse. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. So literally that day, there was an exchange that happened. He took my sin, and in return, he gave me and you his goodness. It's crazy. God took my sin and poured it on him. But into us, he poured his righteousness. It's crazy. And Jesus could feel the separation. He could feel that disconnect from God. Never felt it before. There'd always been perfect union. Why did he feel it? Because he had my sin and your sin on him. He took on all our stuff. Because number three, he wanted to atone for it. Number three, I want you to write down the word atonement. It's a big word. We're going to break it down. Jesus is paying for my sins. That's what happened on the cross that day. Is that word atonement? He was paying for our sin. So, time out. Let's step step into the story real quick. We know that at the the cross that day, he had his mom and and some other Marys that were there of his followers. And we know the apostle John was there. It's the only disciple that we know of that is there any record of at the cross. I don't think the other ones didn't care. I think they did care, but they were fearful of their lives and blah, 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 all the other things. But John was there. The letter that he wrote in the New Testament, 1 John, we have the gospel of John, but the letter 1 John was written later in John's life. You know, as you get older, you reflect, right? As I get older, I reflect back. I wonder when John wrote this letter, if he reflected back to hearing these words off the cross. And look at what he said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He himself is the sacrifice. And I want you to underline this little word, ready? That atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but for the sins of all the world. He himself, Jesus, I watched it. You know, John wants to go, I watched this happen. Man, you go out, you do what you want to do. Do you understand that he himself is the one that atones for your sins? Do you see that? Do you get it? Do you understand? And not only our sins, but for the sins of the world. So Mike, what does atonement mean? I want you to write this down. This makes it really easy to remember. Atonement means to pay for damages done. Would you write that down? Atonement means to pay for damages done. It means that justice is satisfied. So if you were to back into somebody, in the parking lot somewhere this week, and you backed up and you hit them. And they called the police, and the police came out, and they wrote a ticket, right? It literally would mean that you pay for the damages so justice is satisfied, so you did the right thing. And, and maybe you're riding down the road, and you're not paying attention, and boom, you hit the car in front of you. Oh, 
and you pull over, and the officer comes, and they write up the ticket, and they go, who was responsible? And you go, I was responsible. And they said, you need to get your insurance with their insurance, or you guys do it privately, but you need to pay for the damages. It was your fault. And you pay for the damages that are done so that justice is satisfied. And you're like, Mike, how do you know how that works? It's happened to me a couple times, all right? And so I'm very familiar with the process. Somebody's got to pay for it. And it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. But here's the difference on the cross that day. Jesus himself paid for sins he didn't commit. This is more than just a little spiritual throw-off phrase. Literally that day, get this, get this. He paid for what he didn't owe. So you and I could receive what we don't deserve which is freedom from the penalty of sin. See, Romans tells us, for the wages of sin, Paul said, for the wages of what I've done, for the wages of sin is death. He's right. Somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to own up to it. There's one verse in the New Testament that makes all this, it brings all of today in. What happened that day on the cross? God, seeing his perfect son bearing the weight of sin of the world, God looks away. But Jesus cries out, God, why have you forsaken me? All of it happens for this moment. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 3. God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us because the wages of sin was death. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life, get this, for us. It's the most intimate moment of the morning. He did all this because he was on a search and rescue mission for you. See, all of your goodness, all of the good things you can do, all of the niceness, all of the, the Bible studies you attend and the Bible you read and, and all the small groups you go to and all the times you listen to worship music, none of that can make up for the bad you've done. None of it. God did all this for us because he wanted us to be able to live with him forever. And outside of it, we couldn't. That day on the cross, his blood, when it was shed, covered your sin and my sin. Why? Because he made the payment for it. He atoned for it. That's why we can one day live with him forever. The great pastor and author, Tim Keller, said it this way. For you, for me, for us, Jesus was forsaken by God, so we would never have to be. The judgment that should have fallen on us, God instead put on Jesus. I don't, fully get it 
I'll just be honest with you. Man, I've been walking with the Lord now for quite a while. I intellectually understand it. Spiritually, I'm thankful for it. But I do wonder why. Why would Jesus go through this? Could he have gotten out of it? Oh, yeah, 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 he could have. In fact, you remember in the garden, knowing this was to come, he said, Father, um, if it could be your will, would you let this cup, this cup of suffering, pass from me? But yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus and God knew what was to transpire. And they still went through it. Why? See, I'm always looking for the easy way out. I'm always looking for the escape hatch. Was the pain pain to Jesus? Yeah, it was 100% man. It was pain. When he screamed, God, why won't you look at me? I can't imagine. If I had to look away from my own children that I love dearly. Why did he do it then? He was willing to be forsaken so you and I could be found. He reaches down in the pig pen and he gets us up and he eyeballs us and said, this was for you. Some of us today We've known the story here, but today here, it became our story. Would you pray with me? You may be watching from somewhere this morning and you didn't see it coming. You were just planning on tuning in. You saw it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Heard a buddy talking about it. Today you felt it. You felt that scream. You felt that distance he experienced. That should be our scream and our distance and our payment. And you say today, Mike, I want what Jesus did for me. See, maybe today he had to get you your house. He had to get you somewhere quieter to get your attention. And he did. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Can I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus. Would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus. I get it. Would you pray that? I get it. I get you were forsaken so I could be found. Would you pray that? I get that you were forsaken 
so I could be found. I believe that you live for me. Would you pray that? And I believe it was for my sin that you died. But I know you got up and got out of that tomb just for me. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, would you pray this? I want you today to be my personal Lord and Savior. I ask you in my heart. Welcome home. You're why he took it. You're why he went through it. You're why he experienced it. Because his love was reckless. It was crazy. But it was worth it. Welcome home. God, today, thank you for what Jesus did. I didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. But we sure are thankful. And it's in his credible name that we pray. Amen. Man, some of you today, today was a, a day you'll never forget. Maybe it was the first time you've ever joined us online. Maybe you've never watched as a family before. Maybe that's not why you remember. For some of you, you're going to remember today because today's the day that you ask Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior. Not your grandma, grandpa's, moms, and dads. Your personal Lord and Savior. Today, I want you to do me a favor. Larry asked you earlier to let us know where you're watching, but we're going to ask you something way more important than that. We want you to tell us today from wherever you are that you ask Christ or your child today sitting with you, your 10-year-old son, 10-year-old daughter, ask Christ into their heart today. We want to know. So I want you to do me a favor. It's really easy. Take out your phone. I want you to text NSC Follow to 555 888, would you? NSC follow to 555-888. We want to celebrate with you. We want to give you a big old spiritual high five via text today to say we are so proud of you. You had a team of 20-something people show up today at 6.30 a.m. They were on this campus to make this service possible so you could find your way home. We want to celebrate with you. Please let us know. Share it with a friend. Let somebody know. And here, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, we'll get to meet you and hug you and let you know how proud we are of you. Well, today, thank you for joining us. There's a lot of other things you could be doing and places you could be. Thank you for being with us. We count it an honor that you call North Star home for at least this morning, but even more of an honor when you find your way to your spiritual home. 